0: Welcome back to the Home Team Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Acho. We got Trey Burton here and Steve Carter, our third host. He's on vacation, so he's not going to be here today, but we have a special show for you today. We're going to talk NFL Draft, our reactions from the NFL Draft about Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, some other players that we like. We're going to talk NBA play-in tournament. And we're also going to talk a little bit of life stuff, Trey and I's relationship, how we got a chance to know each other. So we're so glad you got to join us. But first things first, Trey. Quick draft reactions. What were you? We were, We, me, you, and Steve were texting probably the entire time. Like, like, <laughs> what, what, what,
1: what? Like, what are your reactions to the draft? So the number one thing that stood out to me was that the state of Florida had the most <laughs> draft picks out of any state as you would figure. I mean, that's, I, I'm a, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, that's what my bet would be. Also, University of Florida, phenomenal drafts, a bunch of great players, two first rounders, um, just really happy and proud for the university. But put all that aside, uh, really interesting draft. I think no one, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot more uncertainty, at least in my opinion, than there has been in the last couple of years. Um, and I think the you know the biggest thing was what is san Fran going to do with the third pick overall and they were smoking mirrors for months you know we're going to do mac jones we're going to do trey lance we're going to do justin fields you know there's never obviously given the uh the which direction they're going to go and end up taking trey lance which i, I talked about at the last uh show i I just don't know enough about him, you know, uh, one, one double A is it, or FCS one FCS
0: one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the fact that he had one third of all the amount of attempts as, you know, the other three other, you know, top prospects. So, uh, we'll see how that fits. You know, there's obviously a lot of hype around him and I obviously hope he has a phenomenal career, but, uh, that, and then, I mean, Kyle Pitts, bro, tight end highest taken tight end in the history of the NFL um he's a bad boy bro he's gonna have a great career but I wonder even just going back to Kyle Pitts and the tight end thing because I
0: I did a lot of college football analysis last year so I watched him a ton and this dude we we said it on the last podcast this dude should have won the Heisman like he's he's amazing but why is it that tight ends aren't drafted as high historically speaking and obviously you play tight end so you you have a maybe a different perspective but why is that
1: yeah I'm not sure I think uh when you want when you draft that high, you know, probably in the top 10 picks, you want a guy that's like an absolute game changer. And it's tough from a tight end standpoint, I, I can think of, you know, multiple wide receivers, you know, Odell, I don't know if Odell was top 10, but I'm sure he probably was. Uh Julio Jones was up there. Um, These guys are like game wreckers. And so from Kyle Pitts example, they say he was probably the best pass catching threat in the whole entire draft. And so I think whenever you have uh, that and then the game switching a little bit to more athletic tight ends back in the day, you know, 10, 8 to 10 to 12 years ago, their bigger body blocking, basically an offensive lineman that, you know, is 30 pounds lighter. Um, and so you're just kind of starting to see a different breed. You know, you got Kelsey, you got Kittle, you got Hurts, now you got, you know, Darren Waller as well, and then you got Kyle Pitts. So uh, the way those, those guys are able to affect the game and the mismatches that they're able to create not necessarily with linebackers and safeties, but with corners and nickels, you know, cause they're getting sometimes their best uh, defensive player covering them. Um, it's just able to open and free up everybody else. And so I think that's why they're starting to go a little higher now than in, in the past. I just wonder though, because I remember going back to college, I
0: was I was like a defensive end in, in high school yeah. and I remember going to USC as the first big school that offered me. And they said, Hey Sam, here's the deal. The game is changing. Like, what do you mean the game is changing they said you play defensive end or linebacker but man and i was about 240 pounds at the time 250 he said you put on 30 40 pounds become an, an inside guy like a free technique a quick fast like inside pass rusher and you'll be an automatic first round pick mm-hmm. and i was like okay that sounds interesting sounds intriguing intriguing and i decided to go to a different school but i looked at like how the game was changing And then I go to, and then you, and I saw guys getting drafted first round, second round, these smaller, like Aaron Donald, kind of like really quick. Then you look at tight ends and back in the day, it used to be these big brutes. And now it's like smaller, quicker. And then I look at you and I'm like, okay, bet you've played for what? Seven years in the NFL, seven, eight, nine, 10 years ago. There weren't too many, I guess better. I I don't remember there being too many, like move tight ends, like your position, like we're seeing They're fullbacks.
1: Right. Fullbacks.
0: Right. So yeah, like, right. was, was there anybody who you could watch who, who was like, oh, this is a guy I want to model my game after? Or was it more like, uh, there's a new breed, like kind of you're starting this new breed of tight end?
1: Yeah, I think I was just kind of, I mean, you and I go back to like a Jordan Reed. He w- we went to Florida together. You know, we were kind of play similar position. I think uh, the games just change in a sense of obviously there's no fullback or very limited amount of teams that have fullback. Um, and the, the, the tight ends, you have, you know, one or two. So say, for example, on NFL roster, you and I both know this, there's four tight ends for the most part, you know, whether it's four on the active roster or three on the active roster and one on practice squad, always going to be four guys. So I guess the teams are starting to spread it out in the sense of two blocking tight ends, you know, which which doesn't necessarily mean you can't catch the ball, but it means that you're going to spend the majority of your time blocking. And then you got two receiving smaller tight ends that might be a little better on special teams. And one of them, one of them plays fully special teams. And then the other one is more of like the receiving Type, tight end so no i didn't like to answer your question i didn't really have much i mean you had smaller guys like delaney uh walker you got you know vernon davis who's you know short but not small he's obviously big as heck and uh under armor mannequin type of guy basically but uh and then jordan reed you know was another guy uh another guy aaron hernandez you know back when he was playing for new england i mean he kind of started the mold i guess when him and gronk were together um over there um another gator as well so no big deal, but yeah. So uh the, I think that's kind of you know how it was, and that's what people were starting to see. This the mismatches because the linebackers were bigger too. You know, shoot. Now you look at linebackers, bro. uh um Darius Leonard, the dude, the guy that plays for the Colts, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, bro. He's two hundred and twenty pounds, soaking wet, like bro, like light But dude, back in the day, you're two sixty, you know, with a neck roll and <laughs> no hit mobility. You know what I mean? <laughs> but now you gotta have all those. You know, you gotta have You gotta be smaller and be able to cover
0: yeah no it's interesting and 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 so you're listening to the home team podcast we're talking nfl draft we're talking players that were selected and and some some fans were asking because i i made a comment about justin fields yeah. i was on i got a chance i i did a a, a, a A local radio show or local tv show in the morning the morning of of day one and they asked me sam who do you think the bears are going to draft and so in my preparation i just started looking down the roster and looking at the the needs that the players have and also i know a bunch of the guys on the team i know the staff and coaches and gm and all those people i was like bro they have to go get a quarterback and it's got to be justin Fields. and and the long and short of it is the bears actually traded up from the 20th pick to the 11th pick they gave up Oh, to get Justin Fields, but they gave up a first. A they gave up a lot. Do you have? Do you have it? Do you have it pulled up?
1: Um, I will here in a second. I mean, they gave up a lot. Especially they gave up compared a lot. to what Philly had just done. Right, right. That's right. Uh, the eleventh. Yeah, they ended
0: up drafting up to the eleventh overall pick. Yeah, and they gave up their they gave up their first round pick, which was twenty. And the and next year's first round pick. Right, and then a fourth round pick for the next year. Yeah, and then a fifth to round to move up
1: to move up nine spots.
0: Wow. Wow, but but so people have asked my opinion I think it was the right move I think it was the right move for for two reasons number one the Bears not even as a as a team but as a city (laughs) like that city needed hope and it's not like these coaches trust me like these coaches aren't sitting here saying we got to provide hope for the city the coaches both both Matt Nagy and and Ryan Pace in a lot of ways like their jobs were on the line they've been they've been in Chicago for a couple years they were eight and eight last year barely made the playoffs Struggled the year before. Obviously, 2018 was the playoff year where you and I were together. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but the Bears almost had no other choice than to go and draft not only just a quarterback, but the quarterback that they thought could change their future. So, number one, that was that's why I think it was the right move. But here's why I think it was the best move. And so, and we talked about this right before we pressed record. The Bears just signed Andy Dalton to a to a deal. Yeah. They named him their starter about a month ago. The Bears also have Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, who's a friend of both of of ours on the roster. So a lot of people are like, why would you go get a rookie quarterback? Here's my thing. Number one, I think Andy Dalton's going to start this year. I really do. I think that this year, Andy, I do. I do. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you You why. You mean like start from like
1: game one and mid-year or the whole entire
0: year? I think he's going to start the whole entire year. Yeah. Uh-huh. and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you why then i'll tell you why i think but also i'll tell you why i think justin fields is special so remember andy dalton in, in cincinnati yeah first of all shout out to andy dalton he was the first quarterback ever sacked back in college andy thank <laughs> you for that. I, I, nobody T- blocked tcu me. right tcu, TCU? TCU yeah, yeah yeah and we were both freshmen at the same time he's a great dude he's phenomenal but like he balled in cincy with no weapons yeah like well, aj andy, green he had aj green but he had no offensive line no real running game no investment on the defense
1: i TJ mean he had, Huchman, Huchman
0: tj who's your mama right we had he had tj who's your mama <laughs> but like andy dalton played re- took cincinnati to to like to the playoffs and yeah. they had no help from a management perspective anybody who knows me knows i love talking about like yes about the players but i'm like who are the coaches who, who are, who's the general manager who are the decision makers who's the owner because i think that means a lot and so he did he did well went to dallas played well too when he had protection yeah. andy's andy's like People to talk, talk about these consummate pros or pros. Pro. I believe he's that guy. And so I believe, yes, he's going to mentor Justin Fields. But I think it does take time to kind of find who you are as a rookie quarterback where you can lead a team to a championship. And so I think that this year, Andy's going to be the starter. I think he's going to play well. Because in Chicago, you start playing bad. You start getting booed. They start putting in backup quarterbacks. Quick. You know, that's how Mitch got in so quickly. Like, Quick. we, uh, we, we had a couple quarterbacks who were playing poorly, started getting booed. And, and the coaches felt the pressure. And so I think Andy's going to start for a year. I think Justin's going to be ready. I think Andy's going to stay healthy. If he gets hurt, Justin will be waiting in the wings. But Justin Fields ran a 4-4-4-40. Four, 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 Rolling. Rolling. Book at run now. That's like DB speed. So, yeah. like, he's fast. So let's just take that out of the picture. He's mobile. He's fast. Justin Fields can also throw. I remember there were some stats like, I don't know if it was this year or last year. Like he had like twenty touchdowns and two interceptions. Like he he like this dude puts the yeah. ball on a
1: dime, and he had phenomenal receivers. Chris Olave. Just turn Dillon the tape Wilson. on. Just all you got to do is Bingo. turn the tape on I mean, bro, against really good opponents, too. Not you know one AA or FCS opponents. Exactly. And people are like, well, he struggled against Northwestern. Northwestern had a top defense. They've been in the yeah, top they good defense. defense. Yeah. They did yeah.
0: So so I think so. Anyways, I'm I'm excited about Justin Fields for two reasons. One, it was the right move. The move the Bears had to make. But also it was the best move because even if Andy does well this year, you give you give Justin Fields a year to sit, watch and learn and wait in the wings and be ready to go and ball and dominate not only for one year, but for the rest of his future.
1: Yeah, and and here and this is interesting, a take that I heard from Dan Olowski, who I think does a phenomenal job on ESPN and it's a really different way of thinking about quarterbacks well, really any position, but especially specifically quarterbacks in this draft, you know, there's four or five really good quarterbacks, you know, we all can agree on that. Um, the ranking of good or bad, we can, it's negotiable, but there's five, four or five really good quarterbacks. And what Dan says, which I, it's something I learned for the first time like I got, I'll take this from here on out for every draft, um, that I'm alive for is that they thought all majority of the scouts thought Mac Jones had the highest floor. So, for example, like he has – he's the least um, risky player from like – oh, obviously Trevor Lawrence, he's way above everybody else. But Mac Jones from the other four guys compared to the other four guys had the lowest floor. So, he, uh, he is going to be the, the guy that can start right away with, from, a, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint. He had all, all the tools to do, and he's proven. You know, He's done it, won national championships at Alabama. But the other guys had the highest ceilings. I thought that was a super interesting take because you don't really think about who has, and that's what they have to, the GMs have to think about who has the highest ceiling, you know, what is it going to take to get this guy ready to go and ready to play. But then on the other side, you know, I'm the type of guy like, well, who is a more sure pick right now? You know, who's like the least riskiest guy. And so they're all saying Mac Jones is the least riskiest, but Trey Lance has the highest ceiling out of everybody except for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and So I thought that was a really interesting take in a way in a, a different way of scouting people at positions is like from a floor standpoint and a ceiling standpoint. Um, and I think Dan did a phenomenal job with that. So, so
0: Trey, if you're a GM, like if you're a GM, how do you make those decisions?
1: I mean, you bet, you got to hope you have good people around you to help, you know, and help scout. Uh, I think it's, I don't think just one person makes a decision. Well, and I think the teams that do have that aren't very successful. I think, you know, if you're an egotistic GM, you're not gonna last a long time. But I think you gotta do the work. I mean, I think you gotta sit down and actually have conversations with these guys and spend time with these dudes. And like some, like back when I was in the draft, like bro, I don't understand how you don't see red flags in certain people, just in the way that they communicate and the way like, you know, I know you are familiar with this, but I got the combine. Like when you have to, the coach will draw up a play. Like this is our favorite, this is our bread and butter play. And then they ask you a question or two. And then they're like, Hey, you remember that play we just talked about? can you draw that back up? And like, if dude as a quarterback can't redraw that play and like give you the breakdown of cover two, cover three, you know, man, you know, what do you do versus blitz? Like if they can't figure that out, then I mean, bro, that's, that should be a red flag. So, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of times people get stuck on talent, you know, and, at, and the 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 speed and the vertical and the, you know how strong they are um, when it, in, instead of, you know, really focusing on, you know, what is how are they mentally and how can they? Because, you know, in the NFL, every, there's a lot of strong guys, a lot of fast guys in the league, a lot of quick and athletic dudes. But, like, how smart are you is what separates, you know, really, really good to not as good. So, I don't know. That's kind of, I would just do it by committee. And you got to obviously have, spend time with the dudes to see, you know, and talk about them, talk to them. Yeah. No, I love that. What would you, what would you think? What would, what would you do if you were a GM?
0: How do you scout these guys? Well, I, I would agree with you in that. You have to have good people around you. It's so easy when you're at the top to let your ego get in the way of everything. Yeah. When you're at the top, we were talking about this before we hit record, but certain places or certain, whether it's like where you live or kind of your position, everyone's worshiping you. And as a general manager, you're the decision maker. Everybody wants to be in your good graces. Yeah. So you need to have people, number one, who are smarter than you, number two, who will be honest with you and call you out when you're wrong, and number three, who you can almost humble yourself under. What I mean by that is I've been around some teams and some GMs who, like, I've seen it happen, and, like, they've got the big head, and then all of a sudden, not only is their team struggling, but now they're getting in trouble as a GM. And then it's like you see like the rise and then the fall. But then the coolest thing I've seen from that is you see the fall, but then you see the the person that, whether it's a general manager or whatever, kind of rise from the ashes and I and you see them become a new person.
1: Yeah.
0: There's been teams that I've that I've kind of interacted with before where I've been like, man, like this GM and this team, they could be good, but they're tripping. Then all of a sudden you see like that massive fall. Almost like in Texas, Steve Sarkeesian right? Like mm-hmm. he was at USC and had this. Like there was so many issues that he had, super successful, but issues, and it was like not a good look. Well, yeah. fast forward, he was like, "Dude, I had to, I had to go to rehab. I had to start going to counseling." And like, I know my downfalls. I know my weaknesses. I'm not immortal, nor am I invincible. I know I needed help, and now all of a sudden, I think Steve Sarkeesian is a great hire for the University of Texas. But now all of a sudden, you see this resurgence, like a new person, and yeah. so. I just believe that you need people around you who are smarter than you, who will be honest with you, and who you can – like, you
1: can humble yourself under. You're not the guru. Yeah. People you respect, basically. I mean, I know, like, for example, like, one of the teams um, uh, recently – I was talking to one of the coaches, you know, whatever, good friends, all that type of stuff, and he was talking about – and which I truly believe, like, bro, you got to have former players – give you input and i think it's so valuable because we we see and we know so much from a different angle you know we don't from them gms and and owners and coaches and like so for example like boom this coach has he has to do a top you know five at his position for the draft and then boom a player a former player comes in and gives his top five and then boom another guy gives his top five but all in all it's it's a respected environment it's you know it's a safe environment like boom this is what I think this is what I think and bro like if you can if you can match up player and coach and they both agree on you know to a degree the top five players and maybe you might have you know five and three switched or four and five switched but like the same top five players i think you're on the right track you know from that standpoint i i, I truly and i don't think teams do it enough but man i feel like you got to have former players in there just to give you some type of input because we see things differently on film than what coaches and scouts see on film. And you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan.
0: I remember I was looking at some of the stuff that Chicago did because people were asking them, like the city of Chicago is, I mean, we're happy, right? And everybody's like, we're on cloud nine. People were asking Matt Nagy and, 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 and really Ryan Pace, the general manager, they said, Hey, did you always know you were going to go trade up for, Justin Fields what if he wasn't available what if you know what what were you going to do and and Ryan Pace the general manager said to this reporter he said hey we actually had three plans I was like what yeah we had three plans number one we knew we liked Justin and so if he was available in a in what we call the sweet spot we were going to try to make a move they said, "Well, wh- wh- how did you know?" He had actually been play- he had been talking with the GM of New York, Dave Gettleman, earlier mm-hmm. in the morning before the draft even started. So there was that plan, that was that potential. But then option two: What if Justin Fields is drafted one, two, or three? What if he's not even available? Yeah. Well, they had another option for for uh, whether a quarterback or a different position, right? It's to still try and trade up, maybe go get another guy. Well, what if all the other quarterbacks that you like were gone? Well, then we were going to wait. Yeah. So like for me, it was really cool to hear the background. We had three different plans. Yes, this is the guy that we wanted and that we hoped for. But you literally have no idea, like draft it. You don't know what's going to happen. It's (laughs) like in life. It's like in life a lot of ways. Man, I'm going to go do like the Bible says like, man, y'all, you know, all the people who say I'm going to on this day, I'm going to go here and that day I'm going to go there. It's like you don't know your life will be taken from you. Lord willing. You know what I mean? Lord willing. Say, man, if the Lord wills, I'll go here. Man, if, 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 if God wills, I'll go there. You know what I mean? Because like, you don't know what tomorrow, dude, I've got so many friends and people who I spend time with who like, dude, like lose loved ones in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah.
0: Or Especially, now, to- Especially, Especially now, bro. Especially now, dude. The time and day we're in right now. Yeah. Right. Right. And so obviously like, yes, NFL draft, you don't know what's going to happen, but even in life, we don't know what the heck is going to happen. And so yes, have your plans, but I would say have three different plans or, or some people, <laughs> or even for me, I'm like, okay, God, like, I got this plan, but God, you can do way more than whatever my plan is. So, like, God, you take control. There's a yeah. um, I think it's first Corinthians, first chronicles four, nine, and ten. There's this guy named Jabez in the Bible. And some people have heard of like the, the way that Jabez prayed or the prayer of Jabez. But this guy, Chronicles pretty much just lists, like, you know, this guy was the son of this person, and she was the mom. It just like goes. lineage, on a lineage. lineage. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden it stops at at this dude named Jabez. And it says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And it says, Jabez prayed. He said, God, I pray that I want you to bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. I pray that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil so that I don't cause pain. Then it said that God answered his prayer. Jabez, the name Jabez was given to him because his mother bore him in pain. Jabez means like pain or born in pain. And so God, he prayed this thing, God bless me indeed. And, um, and it got answered his prayer and one thing i was reading like a, like some bible commentary and it was like it's pretty interesting how Jabez didn't have a specific prayer he's not like god i want like 17 donkeys 12 plots of land he was like god just bless me just enlarge my territory god keep your hand with me and then keep me from evil and it was almost like it was almost like dude he's saying god do your thing you know what i mean like i know i have an idea but like do your thing and i, and I don't i don't know if one way is better or worse but i know for me like Cause I'm going through some transition stuff. Like, man, what's going to be next? And it's like, man, you should ask for this. Ask for, I'm like, God, you know, way better. So like, whatever you got, go for it.
1: It's just like that blind faith, basically, like whatever, whatever your plan is, whatever your will is like, let's do it. I'm here for the ride at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, switching gears, you're listening to the home team podcast. We just got done talking about the, uh, drafts, some of our thoughts moving on to NBA play in tournament playoffs. are almost here. Um, There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days, I think, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, bunch of talk about certain players liking to play in tournament, certain players hating to play in tournament, Um, good idea, bad idea. Uh, For people who do not know, they changed the format to kind of make the playoffs more interesting um, this year. And so what happens is, you have the top eight seeds make the playoffs, but the kicker is the seventh seed and the eighth seed play a game. And the winner is the seventh seed right so this is after the season is over and and the seeds are already solidified so seven seven eighth seed play game winner is the seventh seed loser plays the winner of the ninth and tenth seed uh so call it say the tenth seed wins now ten and eight play for the final spot in the playoffs who eventually will have to play the number one overall seed um and just I don't I don't know the reasoning. I think it was just kind of to spice things up um, from a playoff standpoint. Cause at the end of the usually, I mean, I would say almost every last 10 years, the number one seed has gone out of the first round to play in the next round. So I guess kind of to spark some excitement, I guess, of the playoffs. But there's been notable, you know, big name guys who hate it. Um, and it kind of seems like the media side kind of enjoys it because there's another unknown factor, another you know, night where, oh, wow, who's going to step up, who's going to do do their thing, who's going to shine kind of like a college basketball tournament um, and get their team into the playoffs to play the number one seed, which obviously sucks. But um, what's your take on that, Sam? What, what do you think about the play-in tournament and, and everything that's going on? Well, initially,
0: it made sense from a financial standpoint because it gets you excited about watching another game. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, we talk about college football playoffs and it's like, OK, there's another game with huge implications. Mm-hmm. So from a from a financial standpoint, last year was a pandemic. I have a lot of the season, part of the season wasn't played. I mean, there was so much that was going on. And so like NBA is trying to figure out what are ways we can raise our revenues. And that's an interesting way. So I get it from a fan perspective. But from a player perspective, I'm not if I if I earn my spot, let me earn my spot. So if yeah. I'm if I'm one through eight, or really not even one through eight, because really it's the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth seeds that are in the tournament. If I'm seven or eight, I'm like, dude, I made the playoffs. What? Why? Why? Why do I have a chance to be out? So I'm, I'm I, I I hate it. I'm pissed. If I'm nine or ten, I'm like, let's eat. This is our opportunity. Now here's huh. the here's the nuance. Here's the nuance. If I'm a perennial, like, because there are some teams that are like usually like towards the bottom of you know like eight, nine, ten, like back when I you know. Like, there are some teams that are, like, kind of always on the edge, right? I think about Memphis and, like, who, like teams like that have kind of just been, in general, not historically great. And they have this opportunity. It's a huge win. But then you go, like, to the perennial great teams, like the perennially great teams, like the Lakers, right? LeBron is obviously very against this play in tournament because it's like, I don't want a chance to lose. And so, I get it from a fan's perspective. I do not like it from a
1: player's perspective. Mm -hmm. What about you? you add here. You go. You add another game with not. I don't know if it's increasing pay, but I doubt that they're increasing the pay. You know what I mean? But then, bro, you had just played eighty-two games, bro. You can't figure out who is going to be the 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 best eight teams out of eighty-two games. And I really think what happened was last year there was a tie after eighty-two games, and I can't I can't remember who it was. It was like the Nuggets um, or Utah or something like that. And then the, the playoff, they had to play a playoff game. Uh, playoff game to get into the playoffs. And I think the playoff game was so competitive and the ratings were phenomenal with it. They're like, Oh, why don't we make it like this every single year? You know, which is smart from their standpoint. Cause like you said, more money for the league, more uh, notoriety for the league. And also the one thing I do think that's cool about it is that it kind of solidifies the end of the season. You know, like there's, this is the last game of the year and it kind of also has to, if you are in the shoot fifth, six, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, seeds, you still have to kind of play you know whereas you can't you know tank and try to fight for higher draft positioning or, or drive higher lottery positioning you know with more uh, lottery balls that's the way they do it in uh, basketball so I think you know from those standpoints it's okay but like you said like bro i LeBron I totally understand he's what he's what he's thinking I mean bro, he's hurt he's going through some stuff last thing he wants to do is play an extra game that really doesn't I mean, for doesn't mean much from, from his standpoint, you know, but, like, it means much for his team getting in the playoffs. But the chance of injury and re-injuring yourself, you want to make sure you – I mean, you, you already play a five- or a seven-game series in the playoffs anyways. That's tough enough. And you had just played 82 games, which, you know, kind of which, – which is crazy in my mind. to play 82 games and still tie. <laughs> so, I mean, what same with baseball. They play 162 games and they still tie. Like, at the end of the year, it's still within – one or two games. I think it's this nuts. Yeah, I, I feel where LeBron's coming from because it can be emotionally
0: exhausting. Think about it. Yeah. Usually number one seed, you're playing eight, like usually it, you, it's a sweep. It's a sweep. Yeah. Let me get my little rest. But like you, as as an athlete, as a competitor, you get emotionally up for games like these. It's not just like in the NFL, it's one and done. In March Madness, it's one and done. You 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 know, yeah. win or go home. You know, I always remember that saying people say winner go. I'm like, win or go home? No, win or go home. And so but in basketball, it's best of seven. So from LeBron's perspective, I i am the seventh seed or I'm the 10th seed. I got to get emotionally up for this tournament, like emotionally expend, expended the seeds, expenditures coming out just to win. Now I'm exhausted now just to go play the one seed or to go yeah. play the two seed. It's like, you got no shot. Whereas if I'm just already the eight seed, and let's say I already knew I was going to be eight or seven, or whatever, and then I go and have like a four, a seven game tournament, a lot can happen in seven games. No, you never know.
1: Yeah. And a lot can happen. That's, in what, that's why they do it. That's
0: why they do it. Though. Exactly. That's why they do the seven game tournament. Yeah, but I, but I wonder if, from you from your perspective, and we can move on after this. But because you're as you're super opinionated from from a players' perspectives, mm-hmm. like as a player, what do you think about this? Not as a fan, not as somebody who watches. You're in the locker room right? You're Anthony Davis. You're whoever you are, you know, you're LeBron James, like what do you, or whoever, you know, you're,
1: you're John Moran. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think to a degree, I 100% agree with what you said. Like if you're the uh, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, or really eight and nine and 10th seed, when you're out, you're already out of the playoffs, right? Like you have no shot previously to get into the playoffs, but now you do have a shot, you know, and you know how it is. Like once. I, I've played in the wild card game before. Um, have you played in the wild card game before? I have. Uh, I mean, we, bro, it's nuts. Yeah, well, yeah we did together, twice. right? We
0: played. Yeah, we so, played together in Chicago, yeah. and then I played in uh, when I was in Arizona. We played in the wild card game. Crazy, what? like crazy. Wild game is nuts. Qu-quickly, quickly, quickly. I
1: know. Talk about the atmosphere. Oh, just out of control, bro! It's, it's so tense and it's so emotional, and the roller coaster is up and down. Like last last year, I played. I was in the Indy. Um, played with the Colts. We went to Buffalo. Uh, and there was a first game that they allowed, you know, 10,000 fans, which really was like 45,000 fans and a complete different, you know, way different environment than what we've been playing in all year. But bro, it's just the height going into it, man. And like, it's you never you don't really know because a lot of these teams playing wildcard weekend are very comparable from a from a, a football team standpoint, you know, so the games are going to be close, even if we play in the regular season, the game will be close because we're two good teams. And so I think like from the NBA standpoint, if you're at the ninth or 10th seed, you got a shot, right? You win that game, boom, you play the loser of the seven, eighth seed. Like it's all or nothing. You kind of like a March Madness type deal tournament, um, which, which is cool. And which is, which is bad, you know, but then if, when you're like LeBron and you've won, you know, what is he on four rings, five no, rings, he's three got more. rings? Yeah. I think he's at, I think he might be at, five. yeah. No, no he's is at that, four. I think he's at four. Maybe. Best basketball player to ever play. Um why 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 do you want to play in a tournament, bro? Like you're already solidified, you know, like you're already good. Like, let me just be the seventh seed and let me, you know, whoop up on the second seed. Um, and but like we we talked about this before really, really quick. They uh we talked about like, bro, if you're if you're that good, be good, you know. Like if you're if if That's you're that right. good, That's like right. just win, you know, like be the be the number one seed. Don't even worry about being, you know, the sixth seed. And obviously they had they had injuries and they had things, you know, going on as well, which every team, you know, has to deal with to a degree. But, bro, like, at the end of the day, if you're good, be good, you know, and win and put yourself in the position to not have to deal or play in these types of tournaments.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, once again, you all are listening to the Home Team Podcast. It's myself, Sam Macho, and Trey Burton. Trey, we talked a second ago about our time in Chicago. In 2018, we played in that wild card game, which was really I want us i want you if you don't mind can you take us back to that game so and here, here's what i mean so it was we played together and i got hurt that year so i got i hurt maybe week three or week four you just come to the I team hurt. i got hurt that year too you got hurt that year
1: too i did yeah
0: you got hurt the week of the yeah. wild card game against your former team the philadelphia eagles the game where you had a huge like, – it was like a huge like, game plan where it was mm-hmm. like, man, you were going to shine. And all of a sudden you couldn't play. What was going through your mind, your heart, as you heard the news or found out that you weren't going to play against your former team who you had just won a Super Bowl with, who you had this amazing game plan against?
1: Yeah, I mean, panic, like what the heck's going on? I remember I was good. All the way until the Friday, like the morning of Friday, I woke up and wasn't feeling right. And then like tried to go through practice thinking that like once I got warm, I would be fine, you know. And then just my uh groin and uh ab lower abdomen on the right side just flared up and it was nasty, like horrible feeling, kind of like locked up, everything. Um, and didn't really know what was going on. And so it just sucked like having to deal with that. Obviously, regardless of playoff or not, you always want to play your former team, you know, to kind of like this is what you get for getting rid of me, you know? And so, uh, and then obviously you had the playoffs on top of that. And then the first time Chicago has been to the playoffs in a while and being able to play, you know, the whole year and having a decent year and contributing and being a, a, a factor on the offensive side. So it's, it sucked, you know, when you think of the grand scheme of things, but then also just the fact that you're playing a former team and then you add the playoffs to it and stuff. So it, it was, it definitely wasn't ideal and definitely not anything I would wish upon anybody else i can tell you that were you
0: frustrated were you sad were you angry like because i remember being all with of you but like yeah all of it
1: all of it yeah i mean you can't you can't really even pinpoint one thing like you just feel all the emotions you know because you want to be out there regardless of like i said playoff or not regardless of former team or not like you always you feel like you owe it to your guys you know to be out there you know a lot of people not everybody feels the same way but a lot of guys feel like man I owe it to my teammates uh, and not necessarily the whole team, but my pos- sp- uh, p- specific position group, you know, like the tight ends, like for me, like I owe it to my tight end guy. If I, if I'm good to go, like, bro, I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm playing. And so, and I know, you know, Lyman line, defensive end outside linebackers, linebackers are the same way. Like those types of groups of guys are like, man, if I'm, if I can play, I'm playing, you know, no matter what is going to stop me. And then you had to play and some former teams into it. So yeah, just a ton of emotions and it, it, I mean it was a it was a dark time for me from a football standpoint shoot and from an off the field standpoint because the season was over after that game you know so boom over um and it, it was just it was just a, t- a tough time for the fam um and then me physically during those years
0: how was it for your family going through that for your wife for your kids like
1: the kids don't really know, you know they have no clue what what sucked for the kids was when I had to have surgery um back-to-back surgeries you know and they're not understanding why and why am I on crutches and you know wheelchair and can't do much you know for a couple months but uh that that was that was when it affected them but for I mean for my wife I'm sure she's a lot more I'm not a very emotional person like at all like the opposite of emotional but she's like super emotional so like it it affects you know her and i have a buddy right now who's going his wife uh, the complete opposite his wife is going through some stuff you know physically surgery wise and like he's feeling it emotionally and i'm trying to like mentor him like bro like this is even though he's older than me like bro my wife and i went through the exact same thing just flipped and like i i know the pressure that it puts on a wife true like nfl life regardless it, if you're completely healthy it's tough you know for wives and girlfriends and families you know but then as soon as you start stacking injuries Um, or you have one type of injury and then you start having to do the rehab and you start having to listen to outside people from the media standpoint and these fans and you know all this type of stuff like it just adds up and from a spouse like you never want to see your spouse in those situations no but it comes it's a lot more um, uh, what would you call it grander now because of social media and no one having to be checked and not saying stuff to your face and, you know, all that type of stuff. So uh, it's just, it's just tough. It's just a different time. And it's something that you have to make sure you have the right people in your circles and the right um, people to listen to. And uh, you hope that, you know, the medical staff um, is able to help you. Yeah. You no, know, it's funny. It all kind of comes full circle
0: because even one thing we've talked about a little bit, or we want to at least touch on is this idea of off season training and players deciding where they train or where they don't. There was recently a couple of players that have gotten hurt, one training at home and another one training in his facility. And some of the the reports that are coming out is like, well, the guy who was training at home, he got injured and he may be out for the season and all the money that he had guaranteed is now gone, whether it's 10 million or 20 million, whatever. You know, potentially could be gone if he doesn't come back yeah. and, and play. And then there's the other guy who was training at the facility who Got injured and and his injury is a little bit different, so he should come back quicker. But he's quote unquote protected, and so we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. And I'm I'm on the I serve on the NFL Players Association, so you know some of these conversations about where should players train and and some of these things in the collective bargaining agreement I I talk about. But I think the interesting thing is like from a player emotional standpoint, because players are more than just machines. Yeah, players are people. How can you be healthy in a season and also in your off season? Like, what does that look like?
1: Well, I mean, for, I mean, let's face it, NFL players, not very emotional majority of us, you know, because of our past experiences and what it has taken to get to the point where we're at now, shoot, even high school and college players, you know, not very emotional because you're taught from a young age, bro. Like, Don't cry, you know, it doesn't hurt, like you're fine. This difference between being injured and being hurt. And to a degree, I mean, that's 100% true, you know, there is a difference. Um, But I think, I mean, I think this thing going down uh, and like, like you said, like you're, you serve on, you're on the PA board and like you're, I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. But like, at the end of the day, from the guy's perspective that got hurt off season, off the field, out, out of the facility, Um, Don't know if it was off the field, but outside of the facility, bottom line, he got hurt, possibly losing these guarantees. So what you're trying to tell me is we shouldn't train at home. So the, the time from the season over, call it February 4th, 5th or 6th when the Super Bowl ends, you know, if you make this Super Bowl or in January when your season ends and you don't make it to the playoffs or whatever the scenario is, all the way until April when you show back up. To the facility so you got january february march april you got four months and you're telling me that i should not train and i should not get ready for off-season workouts at the facility this doesn't make any sense to me at all like zero percent chance sense um and i think the people that are screaming oh if i had 10 million dollars i would make sure i'm at the facility what if your trainers at home are better than your trainers at the facility what have you been training for eight years with one guy and all of a sudden you're on a new team and this is your first time ever meeting this new training staff you know what i mean what who would you rather train with i would rather train with a guy who knows my body i've been training with one dude for seven or eight years he knows everything about my body he knows he has a previous programs he looks at all the time he'll look at the team's program that i bring into his facility and he's like i already know you can't do this from your body comp and what you, your history of what you've been through. I know you cannot do this, so let's modify it. And let's do it the way, you know, we know and what we've done in the past um, to a degree. You know, we always take what the teams give us and we modify it to what we feel like, you know, we, my trainer and I's goal and then the team and I's goal, we we all sit down and have a conversation, you know, what's gonna happen? Um, And so I I just, I don't understand when people say, you know, we should be at the facility. And then on top of all of that, it's optional, you know, like regardless of what is going on and what the PA said this year and COVID and regardless of all of that, it is 100 percent optional. So how are you going to penalize a guy trying to get better at his house, you know, and make and basically make him forfeit his guarantees when I mean, shoot, if you want guys to show up at the facility and not train from January, February, March, April and show up, I will guarantee you 90 percent of the guys will get hurt. During that off-season time from April to the beginning of June, ninety percent, bro, because you can't not work out and then get thrown into an off-season program um, in the NFL unless they want to change the way that they do their off-season programs with OTAs, um, in mini camps, and all just the crap that goes on, you know, with that. What's
0: your opinion? That was strong, Trey. Go ahead, go ahead and free. Trey got some. I Trey, mean, I, that...
1: I just I can't stand it, bro. I can I don't have I have no time for the crap that you hear from the fans and the people that have no clue what is really going on and these reporters and oh, you should have been doing this and why would anybody ever like, bro? I'm giving you reasons right now why you would never want to go to. I my family lives in Florida, in Tampa, Florida. My kids are in school in Tampa, Florida. Why would I want to go anywhere else
0: in April, in, in May, April. in yes. June, when the season doesn't start until September? to august, yes, august. No. yes i mean yes. you sitting here telling
1: tell me so so say you work work at nine to five right and you're telling me that like or say you say say you uh you own a development company you're doing doing construction you're doing buildings and so from nine to five you work But as soon as five o'clock hits, you shouldn't work after that like i know met multiple guys the guys that are super successful when they go home they work and they're knocking stuff out and they're really 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 successful with what they do but you're trying to tell me, like, what happens? What happens if they make a mistake when they're not in the office? Like, are they do they get discredited or do they get in trouble? Like, come on, bro, this is this is crazy.
0: Yeah, my so my, you know, I've been doing I'm I'm I've been doing some stuff on TV, which has been fun. So I think I'm gonna get a get a get a chance to talk about this on TV as well. So I'm pumped. I'm talking about it first on the Home Team Podcast. My opinion is this: when the season ends. In January, in February, in March, and even in early April, players train. Most yeah. most players take, take January off. You've been through a long, arduous, grueling season. You take January off, and then after the Super Bowl, most players go back and they start training. Players have no protection from management or their owners or the teams when they're training in the offseason, if they're training at home or wherever. That's an issue because if you want your players and your teams and your employees to be the best they can be, I think there's two schools of thought. One, you say, well, come and I'll come to my facility and I'll make sure you're, you're the best you can be. Or the second school of thought is, man, you may have some people who you've been training with for a while who actually help you get better. A lot, a lot Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady doesn't come and train at the facility. Tom Brady has his team, he has his people, his nutritionists, his dietitians. and he's the greatest of, of all time. So option two, which I believe is a better option, does come with the risk of, well, if you are injured, we're not going to pay for it. We're not going to protect you. I think that the NFL should say, you know what, train in the offseason, and if you get injured, we will protect you. Why? Because it costs money. Why? The reason is it's a trust thing. I trust that you guys are gonna go and get better. But if 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 for some reason you all come and you're worse off, then it's like, no, nah, I don't need to come to this facility. I've been on a bunch of teams where the the strength coaches aren't as good as the people who I train with in the off season. We're actually yeah. I come in April, right after you know I, I finished the season in January. We didn't make the playoffs a ton in, in most of my seasons, but I would go start training in February, March. I'm getting faster and stronger and in better shape. Then come early April. I got to go back to the facility, and first of all, you only get a train like forty-five minutes a day. There's a time limit on how long you can be there. So you're yeah, two hours. Rushing as fast and- as you can, best yeah. you can get the
1: stuff done. You're fast, yeah. So you can get to the next thing, yeah. And like, I actually
0: would get weaker in April and in May and in June. And then fast forward July, you're off another two months, and now you're getting ready for the season. And I'm like, okay, crap. Do I really want to train that hard? Because what if I somehow get injured and I'm not protected? Yeah. And mind you, coaches go home too. Strength coaches go home too. And so I think that the NFL should put some protection in place for players, but it takes, it takes a little bit of trust because the players got to say, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to get better. I'm actually going uh, like, to, Trey, to your point, you said, man, you guarantee that if, if no one was allowed to do anything from January to April, and then it just all of a sudden went zero to, to 60 in April, there'd be a ton of injuries. You have to trust that players will actually do the job and get, and get in shape. But here's the thing. Last year, during COVID, during a pandemic, players did that. No facilities were open in April, yeah. mind you. The pandemic yeah. was really start, like that was March. April's when training, training, off-season activities start. Nothing was open. Players trained at home from their cities, from their houses, from wherever they trained outside. They trained in their basements, and the injury rate was like twenty-four percent lower than it was in the year prior. Yeah. And so I think players have proven that when they're training on their own, they will be not only in shape, but be in better shape than they when when they're training with their team. Mm-hmm. And so and that's just it's it's a one year sample size, but statistically it's it it was just the stats
1: yeah I mean, and but i mean like you said trust like bro if you don't trust the guy then don't draft a guy or don't sign him you know to Vax. do the right things like bro at the end of the day then there are some dummies like let's be real like every profession Vax. has the bad apples you know what i mean just because one or two guys makes a mistake or might be playing basketball or you know might be screwing around and end up getting hurt like dude it, it, obviously it does happen but i would say those are by far the smaller percentage of guys than the majority i would say the majority of the guys want to get right they want to train they want to be in their hometowns you know because like you said you only you're only allowed in the facility for three or four hours a day when you're in april uh phase one of offseason stuff and you're rushed i mean you're honestly you're rushing and if you don't have the last or the first slot to train you're everything in between That's you're rushing you know because the last spot you can stay later and the early spot you can come in earlier if you want to but then again it's off season you know and you shouldn't necessarily be hand strapped to those hours and those times um and so i just i mean i just think bro like you got, they got to figure out a way to um especially if and i don't know the whole story i don't think anybody really knows the whole story like what the, the kid was actually doing or the guy was actually doing when he got hurt to uh to for in De- denver is it is it he yeah plays? denver broncos yeah. juan james yeah i i don't know necessarily what he did but i mean i and i hope that it was like a legit like training um, not screwing around, you know, type deal. Um, but we'll see, dude. I mean, you're like I said, you're on the PA. I, I would love to hear, you know, in the next couple weeks or so, you know, what develops from that standpoint.
0: Yeah. And, and even you all, for all our listeners, we'd love to know what you think. What do you think about not only some of these offseason rules for the NFL, but what do you think about the NBA play-in tournament? what do you think about the draft? Did your teams get the people that you hoped for, or were your, there are some questions? We'd love to hear your questions and, 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 hear your thoughts and opinions. And so we can talk about it on the podcast. It's not just our, our podcast. It's it's your podcast as well. So make sure to hit us up on social media. Also make sure to, to like this podcast, subscribe and share it with your friends. Once again, you're listening to the Home Team Podcast with myself, Sam Macho, Trey Burton, and our friend Steve Carter. We cannot wait to hear from you
1: guys next week. One last thing. You know me, I like to have these the yeah, end, I always gotta end of the have podcast. the final word man it's my last it's my last two minutes bro let me <laughs> let me let me let me soak in it please all i ask really fast is for the people that are listening to the podcast go on steve carter's instagram and go on his latest photo i don't know what it is but go on his latest photo and just comment palm trees okay just a <laughs> bunch of palm trees the emoji palm tree palm tree palm why, tree why why tell why why because my guy is, first of all, it's the weekend or the week of Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo was yesterday, right? Uh, yeah. He is currently in Mexico enjoying a vacation time. What a life. I mean, bro, he gets to go all over America and teach and preach. But then he gets to go to Mexico and hang out with his family. Like, goodness, palm trees everywhere. Sun is shining down there. Cinco de Mayo. I mean, phenomenal time of the year to be in Mexico. I wish. I'm jealous of him. I wish I was there. Right now, living the life of Steve Carter. So just go on his social media and just start sending him palm trees. I'm going to go do that here in the next couple of minutes. He just send a thousand palm trees on his last photo uh, just so he knows we love him and we care about him, um, and we hope he's having a great time with his family.
0: Hey, so y'all heard it here first. Go to Steve Carter. I think it's at Steve Ryan Carter on, on Instagram put some palm tree emojis just show, the man, just show, show, show <laughs> the man some love just show the man some love a couple one or two you know what i mean uh but man we love y'all we appreciate y'all i need to go to a beat somewhere man i need i need to get come some sun. coming down to florida bro it's hot down here bro i know you said 102 i can't do yeah. it man eat the, the next 102
1: dude you're sweating as soon as you take a step outside
0: guaranteed awesome hey well we appreciate you guys we'll see y'all next week